Good to have you here on this Tuesday, Kevin, BJ, and Ben. Glad you are with us here on the show. So much to get to as we uh, get ready for college football, the uh, playoff, the latest round of poll coming out uh, tonight. We'll get to that coming up a little bit later as we come down the stretch into Rivalry Week. And uh, we'll get the very latest on the Rivalry Week uh, games there as well. Uh, leading you up to a little college basketball uh, here this afternoon as uh, Again, we've got uh, the Maui Classic. We'll go there uh, for those in uh, Brunswick and Waycross. And uh, for those in uh, Savannah, we'll have uh, Georgia uh, playing in the uh, third-place game there up at the Legends Classic in New Jersey. So we'll, uh, we'll have that for you coming up at 4.30 here this afternoon. But, fellas, the college football playoff committee uh, next round tonight. I think a few more questions this week as opposed to last week where we figured it wouldn't change very much. But Oregon has lost. Michigan State got annihilated. Now, what does the poll look like? Because everybody expects Oregon to move out. Who moves in? Does Alabama move down? What do you expect to see when they release the poll tonight? Yeah, I think there are a couple of things, Kevin, Ben, that, that you look at with the playoff. Uh, I, I think you're going to see Ohio State jump Alabama. And, Kevin, you've talked about this with the college football playoff. Two, three, I don't know how much it really matters, you know, especially that we still have more football left to come. But Alabama in their last two SEC games had have, have, has shown some vulnerability, right? When you think about beating LSU 20-14, to 14, you had to bat down a pass at the end. And then you think about the Arkansas game. Now, the story from that game, of course, was Bryce Young. Bryce Young throws for 559 yards, six touchdowns. But I think when you're evaluating Alabama as – one of the top four teams in the country, they needed every single one of those touchdowns, guys, from Young to hold off Arkansas. They beat Arkansas 42-35. to And I think when you combine that with the fact that Ohio State beat Michigan State 56-7, to beat a top-10 team by almost 50 points, you were, of course, going to see Ohio State jump to three because number three, Oregon lost. But I think given the way Alabama's played in recent weeks, Saturday's game, and given what Ohio State just did, I think you're going to see Ohio State, Ben, jump to two. And I think tonight you will have Alabama fall to three. I think number one will, of course, be Georgia. Number two will be Ohio State. I think number three will be Alabama. And then, you know, I kind of hope I'm wrong because you feel bad for Cincinnati, but I think Michigan is going to jump into the four spot, as Kevin has long said, if Cincinnati's four, the committee kind of has to leave them in there. I think Cincinnati will stay at five, and Michigan will jump to four, Ben, and I think we will have Georgia, Ohio State, Alabama, and Michigan as the four tonight. Now, it won't stay that way. A lot of football left to go, but I think, Ben, that's what we see tonight. The college football playoff committee is so lucky, right? They get a chance to have these big, gigantic brands uh, being playing really, really good as a later BJ. Something that, something, that, something that Kevin said that happened this weekend. C.J. Stroud had his Heisman moment because you look at what he did in the first half. So, yes, you got Ohio State. They are a team that definitely can go out there and, uh, you know, make sure that, they, that, that you know, uh, they control their death at this point, moving up to potentially number two. Alabama going to number three. I, I see that happening. Coach Harbaugh, because this is something that, that I, I be trying to avoid. You look at you look at you look at the University of Florida, right? You know, you know, stepping away for a second, Kevin to BJ. Big names, big big names go with big brands. Harbaugh is a big name at a big brand. They've only lost one game. They probably gonna get the brakes beat off by Ohio State, but you get to have a top ten matchup, a top five matchup, last game of the year. Unfortunately for Cincinnati, they they got a first round pick. They you know a quarterback and. And Ritter, they got bookend cornerbacks, but the brand equity, the national appeal, the sex appeal, the sexiness of of of, of that team just ain't there. But BJ, Kevin, the college football playoff committee, they laugh at us. We sit here, we break it down, we analyze it. Everybody that has a podcast waits on the college football playoff top five to come out. Oh, join me live, join me live, because in a sense, I guarantee you they don't go in depth like we're doing with Cincinnati. I guarantee you they couldn't tell you one player on Cincinnati. I guarantee you they're just happy that I got a high trophy candidate in C.J. Stroud moving to number two. Thank God Georgia has been the clear-cut number one. Alabama, they've only lost one game, so they moved to number three. And we get to, move, we get to make arguably one of the biggest brands 
ever in Michigan number four. Sorry, Cincinnati. But this 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 is what happens when BJ you peaking, right? But you at the wrong school, in the wrong conference, at the wrong time, because it's not what you're doing, it's what those around you are doing. You got teams with losses in front of you. Cincinnati is undefeated with Notre Dame on their resume, and it's like Coach Carolina beating BYU. It's like it never happened. So now I've been I've been wrong before. I am wrong all the time. Definitely, if you ask my children, I am wrong about everything. But I don't see Cincinnati moving because why? Because everything has been happening around them, and they stay put every week. People have been losing, almost winning. The only thing that had that stayed the same is Cincinnati. So yes, BJ, Georgia one, Ohio State two, Alabama three, Michigan four, Ohio State. I mean, I'm sorry, uh, Cincinnati five. And the thing is, the curious case of Notre Dame, the curious case of Oklahoma, I want to see what they're going to be because they only got one loss. And once again, there isn't a bigger brand of football than Notre Dame. Nobody nobody has a more hated fan base in Michigan. So I, we, we'll see what happens. But I do feel bad for them Cincinnati boys because they've literally done everything you can do. And just imagine that. I do everything I can do. I elevate the status quo of the program. I got a high, I got a, I got a first-round pick at quarterback. I got a bookend cornerbacks. We've almost beat Georgia last year, and it's like it doesn't even happen. So that's why they created New Year's Six Bowls for teams like Cincinnati. It shouldn't be that way, Kevin, but you know, just like I know, Kevin, college football playoff committee is not going to tell us how they voted. They don't. They don't care. They do not care about Cincinnati, and that's going to be playing for the obvious come later on tonight. Yeah, I think uh, I, I think the big question there would would be what. What do they kind of say? And my guess would be Michigan played well, and then you've got Ohio State playing well, and the, the sets up again. You're not supposed to place guys in order for the matchup, but I think Michigan would jump over, and you would have a top four matchup going into rivalry weekend. Uh, another one we talked about is Ohio State jump over Alabama, who has looked less than impressive. And again, winning is winning. I, I always hate that from 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 time to time when. We look at teams, BJ, and we go, "Well, they're winning, yes, but uh, they they just they just don't look good doing it." Or are they winning? Well, yeah. Well, we're going to move them down anyway. I mean, and, and that's the thing I think uh, strikes people weird when you get to these uh, polls at the end of the year. It's like, okay, so last week they were number two. They won. But because they didn't win in a manager a man, a uh, manner that made you say, dang, you're going to move them down. So I, I think we'll see what happens there. I think the biggest mover up will be Oklahoma State, and that will set up for a huge bedlam this weekend. And if they win that, uh, potentially jump in and take the spot of the loser of Ohio State, Michigan, and sets up for championship weekend. Maybe uh, if those teams that are in win their conference championship, it's already done and settled. Yeah, but I do think you know with the Ohio State Alabama thing in this format, right? We're not talking about the BCS. We're not talking about computers coming up with the two best teams. We're talking about we have a committee of evaluators, and they're supposed to look at the football, and week to week adjust the rankings. I think right now Ohio State has a better resume and has played better than Alabama. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that'll be the case uh, a week from today. You, of course, you have, you have the game and you have the Iron Bowl, but I think right now on, 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 on Tuesday, if you're doing your top 25 or whatever they do with the polls, I think you put Ohio State over Alabama. They just beat a top 10 team 56 to what seven and wasn't it like 42 to nothing or 49 to nothing at halftime so I think right now for whatever it's worth Ohio State has earned that number two spot ahead of Alabama now Kevin you mentioned Oklahoma State they have not been a part of the college football playoff discussion seemingly all season yes you are right they are moving up, and if they beat Oklahoma in, in Bedlam, they're going to have the Big 12 title game. But Oklahoma State is suddenly a leading name for maybe that four spot, potentially. And the other team I would say keep an eye on, and remember, they don't have a conference championship game to worry about, is Notre Dame. And, and Notre Dame is a team that if you go back to the beginning of the season – I don't think most people were talking about them as a playoff team because, remember, they had to go into overtime to beat Florida State. Then in the game after that, they had to get a late, what, a touchdown with like 50 seconds left to beat Toledo, and everybody's looking around going, okay, maybe Notre Dame's not that good this year. And then when they had their showdown with Cincinnati, they lost and they got beat soundly at home. Lost by two scores, but the way football is, the way the season is gone, this college football season, a lot of teams in front of them have lost. Notre Dame has quietly kept winning, so I do think two teams to keep an eye on are definitely Oklahoma State, but also but also Notre Dame, Ben, Kevin. I think Notre Dame is right there on the verge. 
I mean, when it comes to big brands, they get rewarded for their efforts. When it comes to upcoming brands, they get acknowledged. We acknowledge in Cincinnati by putting them at number five. They are not being rewarded for what they've done. And BJ, this isn't a journey come lately type team, right? They've been doing it for two years. But we already saw this with UCF. Beat, and UCF beat Auburn. But when they lost to LSU, they was like, mm. it's almost like, hey, man, we just waiting on you to lose so we can say, see, that's about as good as they can be. But it's like, BJ, once again, I've been hanging around you way too long, man. It's currently constituted in the market correction game. But it, come, it comes down, it comes down simple to the fact that either they're good enough or they're not. Let's just, but the problem is that's not how we judge anything. Oklahoma State, Notre Dame, uh, Oklahoma, I mean, you know, these are teams that's going to be rewarded for late game, for, for, for just staying the course throughout the course of the year. If Cincinnati was in the ACC and they was undefeated right now, they would be in the top four hands down. But conference and who you play, even though the game can't help you. So I just think that for me, it, it, it just it just becomes this thing. When, when I went to the National Football League and I'm playing with guys that played in, in NAIAs, HBCUs, and these guys are some of the best players I ever played against, they would always say, man, if we just had to – we just had the publicity you guys had. We just had the visibility. Like, what you mean? Dude, we see you guys all the time. They pump you guys up. That stuff matters. So bigger than what we do or what we do in our part in shaping these narratives, if they don't see you, it's like you ain't even there. You know how many people saying, sis, that is number five? How many people are saying that every week because they don't watch Cincinnati football? I don't watch it, but I've seen some of it enough to know they they good enough, BJ and Kevin. But you know, just like I know, college football playoff committee don't want to start changing the rules because they change rules in Cincinnati. They don't got to go to a they don't got to go to expansions. That means they include other conferences. They not finna start that without expansions. Sorry, sorry, Cincinnati man. Uh, number five might be as high as you ever go. Again, uh, we'll see what they have in store for us tonight. I think the big watches are obviously where does Michigan go, Cincinnati, and does Alabama move after winning, but maybe not winning in a prolific fashion uh, this weekend. We've got so much to get to here on the show. We'll come back. Got a little trivia time uh, for us here on the show. It's probably not going to go well, but we'll get to that coming up here on the show as uh, well as we move along. And uh, certainly look at some uh, – Heisman Trophy candidates on the defensive side. In a year, B.J., where no offensive guys are really jumping out and taking the lead, could there be a defensive guy out there as well? We'll get to that this hour. It's 3 and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. 3 and out here on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Kevin, B.J., and Ben, glad you are with us. Thanks for making us a part of your day. We'll get to take three coming up in just a little bit. Explore some, could there be a couple of defensive options for the Heisman Trophy here in 2021? We'll look at that coming up in just a little bit. But it is rivalry week, fellas. And we want to uh, challenge our brains here, <laughs> get a little thinking done before we move on to Thanksgiving where it's all about eating and falling asleep. So try to get a little thinking done. Rivalry week, Jeopardy here on the show. We bring in Christian Gokel, who's going to play the part of host for the, uh, for the challenge here. And we'll see how bad this goes for the rest of us. I may be remembering incorrectly, but I'm pretty sure Ben... I think, yeah. One, the last one. I think Ben is the defending champion. So we have three categories today. All of them are rivalries clean old fashioned hate, Iron Bowl, and the game are the three categories with 100, 200, 300, 400, and 500 points in each category. So Ben, as the defending champion, the only person with a winning record out of the state of Florida right now. uh, Ouch. The board is yours, sir. <laughs> uh, Kano Fashion Hate for 200. All right, for 200. Georgia Tech has a moniker. What's the good word? The retort to it is. BJ? BJ, go ahead. To hell with Georgia? That is correct. Is? Yeah, that's, uh, you're fine. We, we okay. got you. I, well, good. I mean, I, I forget the rules. How, you know. We're kind of right. loosey goosey with the rules. That, that's that, that, that's right fine. Answer. BJ, you have 200 points, and the board is yours. Uh, What, two, uh, 300? 300. Which Georgia running back had the controversial fumble that wasn't actually a fumble in Tech's 1999 win? Uh, BJ. BJ, go ahead. Who's Jasper Sanks? Jasper Sanks is correct. Kevin, I feel like you know some of these and you're just you're just waiting. He's always bad. Like, yeah, I'm he's slow on the draw. Yeah, just a little slow on the draw there. Uh, 300. 300? So you already did 300. Ben left, ben left 100 up there. Oh, let's do oh. 100. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Georgia's fight song has been modified at the end by fans to finish with this line. Uh, BJ? BJ, go ahead. 
and to hell with Georgia Tech. That is correct. BJ is just up. absolutely slaughtering y'all right now. BJ knows uh, his rivalry so games. 400? That is correct. Uh, yep. This head coach owns the largest win streak in the series. Uh, ooh. Longest win streak in the uh, BJ. BJ, go ahead. I mean, no one else is playing, so I'll apparently. Uh, uh, Mark, who is Mark Rick? That is incorrect. Oh, you are back down to two hundred. It's Kevin. Uh, it's Bobby Dodd. That is correct. I believe it's eight, and that is, has a streak of seven. That is correct. Several times. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. Uh, From nineteen forty nine to nineteen fifty six, Bobby Dodd won eight in a row. Uh, Five hundred still on the board. Kevin, you want to finish it out? Let's do it. All right. I actually had to go and find a new question because PJ walked into the meeting what is room. Harrison just, yeah, what is Harrison Butker? Would have been correct, uh, but PJ spilled the beans on that one. Uh, two coaches have won three times in Athens from Georgia Tech. What are their names? Say that one more time. Two coaches from Georgia Tech have won three times in Athens. Kevin, who is Bobby Dodd and uh, Paul Johnson? That is correct. Ooh, All right. Well, I mean, well Bobby done. Dodd won eight in a row. You have to assume in part of the eight in a row there was three in there. Yeah, Paul, I didn't know about Paul Johnson. I was thinking two or three. Good job, Kevin. I wasn't sure about that one either. I was taking a guess. Yeah, back in 2016 when Tech beat Georgia 28-27, Paul Johnson got his third win in Athens. All right, that wraps up clean old-fashioned hate. Where are we going, Kevin? Uh, let's go to the game because I certainly won't know any of those answers. So let's just start there at the top. All right, 100. for 100, the only 1v2 matchup in the game came in 2006. I need you to name the starting quarterbacks. Mm. Oh. I will say this for my guys on second down. They nailed this one. 2006. That's a tough $100 question, man. That's it true. really it really isn't. You're going to be like, oh. I, I think I know one, but I have no clue on the other one. Uh, <gasps> bam, bam. Uh, no, 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 no. Okay, go ahead. Well, no. Do we get negative points if we get it wrong? That's correct. Yeah, that's, how the, that's how the no, game no, works. No, 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 no. He doesn't get to ask No, him. I said bam, bam when he said it, so it's fine. Uh, that would be points. Troy Smith and Chad Henney. Yeah, I would have got it wrong. Chad, oh, yeah, Troy Smith I knew. Chad Henney, wow. Chad man. Henney's Jaguars the GOAT. Legend. Is he still <laughs> playing? I saw him. Receiver slash quarterback. Kevin, back to you. Yeah, I was thinking Denard Robinson there, but I'm a little too, not one quite far enough to that. Let's go 200. 200. This quarterback came in as a backup for Ohio State after the starter broke his ankle in 2014. Ben. Ben, go ahead. Cardell Jones. Cardell Jones is correct, and then went undefeated for the rest of the year, eventually winning a national championship. Quick score update for you. Kevin has 900. Ben has 200. BJ has 200. Ben? 300. 300. This quarterback is the only quarterback – for Ohio State to go four for four in his career as a starter against Michigan. Oh my God! Mm. Mm. I'm gonna be so bad too. I can't. Four yeah. starts in college against Michigan, four wins. Uh, BJ. BJ, go ahead. It was JT Barrett? That is correct. He was the one who got hurt in the game right. that Cardell Jones came in to replace, but he still got the start in Ohio State. Still won. BJ, the board is yours. Uh, stay with it. For 400, Michigan has won three games since 2000 in this series. Ouch. Yeah, it's 2001 right now. When was the last? What is ouch? When was the last time they won? Uh, Kevin, what is 2013? Kevin, that is incorrect. That drops you Don't to uh, BJ. What is 2012? That is incorrect, BJ. That drops you to minus oh. 200. Oh, no. Ben, you don't have to answer. What is 2011? Oh, you know, oh. Anybody want to guess who Ohio State's uh, coach was that day? The math. Anybody want to guess who Ohio State's coach was? Jim Trestle. Luke Fickle. Oh. Luke Fickle. The math. Uh, so I guess it's back to you. I guess. Let's go. Keep going. 500. These two coaches took place in the, quote, 10-year war. Kevin, the only one I could think of was Woody Hayes and Bo Schimbeckler. Well, you, those are the only ones you needed to know. Kevin, back to 1,000. Good job. Yay! Wow. <laughs> All right, so Kevin, the only one we have not gone to is the Iron Bowl. It is Let's do it. Full. What is stab your relative? Uh, yes. $100. For 100 how much was Auburn down in the comeback? 
Ben. Ben, go ahead. 21. You said 21? Yes. That is incorrect. Oh, man. Kevin, 24. That is correct. Kevin, about 1,100. 200. Who ran back the kick six? BJ. Oh, my God. BJ, go ahead. Who's Chris Davis? That is correct. Oh, we're going to win the football game. Back to even. PJ called him Chris Harris Jr., (laughs) which we always appreciate. Uh, BJ, the board is yours. Uh, 300. Three Alabama coaches have a better winning percentage in the Iron Bowl than Nick Saban does. Name two of them. BJ. BJ, go ahead. Uh, Who are Bear Bryant and Gene Stallings? That's correct. You want to try to flex on us for the third? Uh... Whew. No. Red Drew. Of course. Oh, of course. Red. All red. Yeah. Red Drew. All right. Four hundred. Yeah, four hundred. All right. I mean, I don't have an option. This so four. Go. Well, I mean, you're at three hundred, so you're not in the negatives anymore. This former Alabama coach went zero and four during his tenure against Auburn, the worst winning percentage uh, as an Alabama BJ? head coach. BJ, go ahead. Who's Bill Curry? No. Oh, now you're back in the negatives. Right? Oh. How far am I ahead of Ben? I was like, I, I might be. Uh, you are seven hundred points ahead of Ben. I'll take a stab, making the last question interesting. Uh, Kevin, what? Is, who is Mike Shula? That is correct. What? Look at you! Well done. Well, I mean, he got fired from Alabama, so it couldn't. All be right, Ben, good. you can't win. Kevin's dominating, but for for the final one, I'm just going to throw it out there. Who caught the eventual game winner in the comeback? Uh. BJ? BJ, go ahead. That is correct. BJ salvages it up to 100. Final score, Kevin 1,500. Ben 400. BJ 100. Only had $100? Yeah. (laughs) There was a That was was like watching some cryptocurrency right there. You were up to 200, then you dropped to the negatives, then you were back up. Kevin, well done. down. flow chart was all over the place. Just dominating. I thought Kevin would be better at the clean old-fashioned hate stuff. Wasn't. I was not. Kevin, you Kevin know, won uh, it with the Iron I, mean, I don't know how much I don't know how much it is, BJ, but your favorite your favorite receiver of all time, o- o- Odell Beckham Jr. told the Rams he wants to get it paid in crypto. Give me my entire salary. In <laughs> well, I, I won. I I want cash. Give me my money. <laughs> cash, please. Give me give me the real stuff. Move decimal point. Is it yes, real or is it just the paper something we choose to believe is it, real? Put it in my hand. But where, Kevin but where does the value come he, from? Kevin got the uh, Kevin got the the Woody Hayes what Bo, Bo Schimbeckler. Schim- Bo Schim- yeah. I mean that's that's an advantage you have. So can, I've been around a little yeah. bit longer, so you know well a little done. a little bit longer, a little bit, yeah. a lot of bit. Not not hey now a lot not of that bit much longer. more than some of these well folks done. on well the show. We got more to come here on three and out all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Welcome back, three and out on this Tuesday. Kevin, BJ, and Ben coming up in hour number two. Adam Schuler, former Florida D lineman, going to join us. He's been pretty outspoken uh, there on social media about Dan Mullen and uh, what he meant to him and there his time at the Uni- University of Florida. Excuse me. He'll join us coming up in hour number two. But we talk about the uh, the college football playoff poll coming out tonight. We're getting down to just a couple of weeks before the uh, voting for the Heisman Trophy and some of these other awards will come out and. We've had several folks come on the show uh, and say, look, who's the favorite for the Heisman Trophy? Nobody knows. Like, nobody knows anything uh, in regards to who the favorite is. It could come down to who plays better in a conference championship game, of all things. That being said, is the door cracked open for a defensive guy to win it, BJ and Ben? And you have a couple of guys. Will Anderson, outside linebacker, Alabama, 26 tackles for loss, 13 and a half sacks, eight quarterback hurries, 78 uh, total tackles on the season, making a solid case. And then you have Jordan Davis, just gargantuan human being. Three and a half tackles for loss, two sacks, and is a big cog in the number one scoring defense in America. Now, BJ, you and I have talked about this at numerous times of is it the Indomitian Sue Mount Cody thing where you look at it and go, man, this dude is out here dominating. And then you get stat nerds who go, He's only got three tackles for loss. Uh, that's because there's three guys holding him every single play, and you're eating up portions of your defense. How do you make that case? Uh, and, and are these two guys actually worthy of getting on the ballot and maybe having a seat at the Heisman Trophy presentation? Yes, Ben, ben I think both are, Kevin. I think, I think what Will Anderson is doing is – almost historically unprecedented and I think what Jordan Davis is doing and I do want to get into kind of the stats with him 
is setting the tone for the best modern defense in college football history, or one of at the very least. But I think right now, if I had to go with four Heisman Trophy finalists, I would say Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, and then these two defensive guys, Will Anderson at Alabama and Jordan Davis at Georgia. And what Anderson is doing, Christian and I were looking it up earlier, only a handful of guys over the last decade, like two or three maybe, over the last knows more than the, over the last two decades have gotten to 30 tackles for loss and Will Anderson is doing it for a top 10 defense right now at Alabama and keep in mind he still has at least three more games to go Will Anderson has the Iron Bowl he has the SEC championship game and he has a bowl game maybe two in the college football playoff so you're talking about a statistical line if he gets to maybe 35 tackles for loss maybe 15 16 17 sacks that we haven't seen and he's done it in the SEC I uh, haven't seen in the modern era or this generation I think going back to maybe Derek Thomas at Alabama so I think Will Anderson has definitely played his way into the conversation and then Ben I mean I defer to you on kind of the schematic stuff but Jordan Davis is not going to have 20 tackles for loss he is the nose guard in a three-man front and I think a good way to evaluate his impact is a watch the games and b look at how good the defense is overall Georgia's what I'm, I'm trying to think Georgia has held six opponents to without a touchdown, and I think they have three or four shutouts uh, defensively because you look at, like, Saturday, for example, Charleston Southern got a defensive touchdown. You go back to UAB, they got a defensive touchdown. So you've seen Georgia dominate to a, to an all-time extent defensively and just watch their games. I mean, dog fans, you know this. That starts up front. That starts with Jordan Davis. And I think, Kevin, the comparison to Terrence Cody is 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 very fitting. You have guys that Ben they aren't going to get eight, ten sacks. That's not their job. Jordan Davis's job is to dominate the line of scrimmage, draw two, three blockers on every play, and let everybody else around him make plays. So for my money, I think Will Anderson and Jordan Davis are both in the Heisman Trophy conversation. I think Bryce Young is the front runner, but I think these guys should definitely be finalists. Yeah, I don't see why neither one of those guys shouldn't be finalists. Jordan Davis should be a finalist because of impact. You're not going to always have the numbers to, to, to really show what you do. But I don't know if there's a more impactful player that means more to a team than Jordan Davis. The reason why Will Anderson and, you know, Nolan, Nolan Smith and those guys can go out there and just wreak havoc. Because if, if one man takes up three guys every single play, well, that's five guys. And you just five, you did five versus four. Now you're getting one-on-one. BJ, I went back and looked. And the single season, the single season, I, I could be wrong, but I, I think I said the single season sack record. It's held by one Josh Allen of Kentucky. I think he had 17 sacks one season. Now, a, a sack is just one stat. That means you That means you won. You beat your defender, you got home. The TFLs, that means that you live in the backfield. Then you're talking about the solo tackles. That, that shows that I'm not one-dimensional. Will Anderson, my God, it's like, I mean, BJ, I, I, think, I think sometimes when you talk about a great defense, you start thinking about, you know, it's got to be a whole bunch of guys. Jordan Davis, to me, is more impactful because of what he means to the other ten guys. I don't even know who's in Georgia secondary because they don't even get because they can't get the ball off. So I think that thirteen and a half sacks. If I'm not if I'm not mistaken, I think that's the breakout year for Jadavion Clowney. Thirteen and a half, and you mentioned Anderson has some has some games left. We you can't judge everybody the same. You can't say well Jordan Davis don't got Dominic Sue type stats. They ain't a, listen. Adama Gasu was, was was incredible. Glenn Dorsey was incredible. Mount Cody was incredible. But that doesn't mean that Jordan Davis can't be just as good, if not better, than those players just because he don't got the sack totals. I and I've learned to watch football from a from a different view sometimes. Sometimes, you know, yeah, man, you got these great stats, but I always ask this. Dante Fowler Jr. got a con he got to, he got to get a contract extension with Atlanta Falcons because he had double digit sacks. Who he played next to? Aaron Donald. So he benefited from that guy next to him. I always say this. Outside guys benefit from the inside guys every single time. If I got a guy in front of me every single play, but then I got the guard and if I got both of those guards in that center and Jordan Davis, Jordan Davis scored a touchdown. A rushing to man. Jordan Davis can flat out do it all. Jordan Davis is a football player, people. He looks the part. 
and he eats up double teams, triple teams. So, yes, BJ, I'm not taking away what Anderson is doing. I'm not taking that away. I am not. 13 and a half sacks, what, over 70 tackles, double digits uh, tackles for loss. That means he's getting it done in every phase of the game. But if you turn on the tape, people keep on saying, who's 99? What? Well, let me ask you all this. Let me ask you this, Ben, and you, Kevin. T- are we so stat-obsessed sure. in, in, in college football? And I love stats. You no, know, we're stat-obsessed in every sport. Well, I mean, you That's guys, why we have advanced metrics for everything. Yes. You guys know I love the stats. I mean, I love doing the historical frame-of-reference stuff and, you know, quarterback rating and yards per attempt and how many TFLs. I mean, are we so stat-obsessed, though, that even if you watch a Georgia game for five minutes and Jordan Davis jumps off the screen – are we still going to go, yeah, but he only has four or five tackles for loss, even though that's not his job? No, BJ, man, because it's, it's, it's the Cooper Cup, uh, DeAndre Hopkins uh, conversation all the time. Cooper Cup will have better numbers than D-Hop. Better than D-Hop? Nope. So, so what I'm saying is, that, BJ, you are, you are our box score expert, but I tell you this all the time. That's only part of right. the story. The re- the, I, listen, the reason why you want to see it, because there, there there's this there's a saying, man, I've seen it with my own eyes. You want to see it because, once again, um, if you take Will Anderson off that defense and you put somebody else in the spot, they might not have as good of numbers, but they're going to have good numbers. Take Jordan Davis away. It's a totally different thing because now everybody got to play straight up. I, listen, and the thing about this is the hardest thing to be is an unselfish football player that's doing it for the guys around you. Everybody want to light up stat sheet. Everybody wants to do it. But sometimes impact ain't going to show up in the box score, BJ. It ain't going to show up. That's why you need both. I need the box score to tell me what happened, but I need my eyes so I can actually see it, so I can put both of them together. Because sometimes I know people that lit, lit up box scores. I mean, Blake Borders almost went to a Super Bowl, right, BJ? You going to get at the Blake? Or you're going to look at that defense, Calais and Jalen. You know, so all I'm saying is it's a totality. But the thing about Georgia is when you think about the 2021 Georgia Bulldogs, who's going to stand out the most? Not, not Nolan. Not Will. And I ain't taking nothing. Not, not the Kobe Dean, those guys. That monster in the middle makes everything go. And the thing is, they told him, hey, man, we need you to play unselfish. We need you to give it up for the guys around you. And if you trust us, we're going to be great. They are better than great. BJ, I don't know if I've seen a defense as good as Georgia in a long time, if ever. And and you take that, you take Freddie Krueger with 99 on his chest and Davis on his back away, that defense is totally different because there is production and there is impact. I will take impact over production any day of the week because at the end of the day, impact means, man, I'm doing more than what the box score says. That's why you got to watch with your own eyes. Shout out to shout out, to, but shout out to both man. Anderson is putting together BJ one a a season for the ages. So, hey man, once again another another great defensive lineman for Georgia. Surprise, surprise, they find a way to put them up. Well, I mean, I think if you just look at stats, there's certain. I mean, they're they're not going to be equal, right? I mean, look at Will Rogers at Mississippi State. I mean, he had a game this year where he threw what almost seventy times. A game where he threw it fifty times. I mean, if Georgia's rolling, Stetson won't throw it fifty times in three weeks. You're right. uh, so I mean, that, I, I think that's uh, that, that's something you uh, you look at when you say, "Oh, it's just stats." I think you have to look at, as Ben said, some of it's the stats. How dominating have you been? I think you also look at how dominating have you been in the time you're playing. And then, what are my eyeballs telling me? I mean, we can look at guys playing and know this is a special player and how he stacks up against other special players. So again, I don't have a Heisman vote, but I think you have to take all of that into account. And defense is so hard, BJ, because. Again, unless you're just a uh, line of scrimmage kind of geek, you know, like Christian likes to look at lines of scrimmage, who's watching what happens at the D-tackle spot on most plays, especially when you get out there and say it was an off-tackle run. It yeah, went you're away following from the ball. You're yeah, following so you're the following ball. the ball. You're not looking at what those guys are doing and what helps create the play behind the play, uh, if you will. So I think that kind of stuff is tough. And, again, I don't know if we'll have both of them there, but I think it would be interesting if, if one of them made it. Uh, it seems like a type of year where – you could have a defensive guy there and it not be so crazy simply because nobody offensively has separated themselves from the pack. We've got a lot more to come here on 3 and Out all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network.
to have you back here three now. Hour number two here on this Tuesday. We count you down towards some college basketball. Those of you listening uh, on our Savannah station, you will be getting to uh, Georgia and Northwestern, part of that Legends Classic there in New Jersey coming up at the bottom of the hour. The rest of you uh, will get the Maui Invitational, the Maui Invitational from Las Vegas because of, uh, I guess, COVID protocols in Hawaii. They're not having it in Hawaii. They're having it in Las Vegas. So Maui Invitational. Because you you would think that if there was a year where Georgia was going to get by Alabama, it would be this season with this defense, with this offense. I mean, for all the talk about the defense, Georgia's offensive proficiency has been incredible. It's been off the charts. Stetson Bennett is about to set records for what he's doing. But there's still something for me that says, yeah, but it's Alabama. And Alabama has not looked great. I mean, they needed to hold off LSU. They needed all of Bryce Young's six touchdowns to beat Arkansas. But there's something for me that just says, yeah, but, dot, 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 it's Alabama. So, for me, that's probably fair. I think Georgia deserves to be a couple of points uh, a, a favorite. And right now the line is minus three. But, Ben, how do you get a feel for what to expect out of these two teams on that stage when we've seen Alabama just show up and look great so many times? You can't, and you don't. One week ain't got nothing to do with the next week. The one thing that Arkansas and the LSUs and the Ole Misses have in common is they play Alabama every year. They play them every single year. And another thing people ain't saying, too, Nick Saban's already lost to one of his assistants. He lost to Jimbo. Now, I know that has nothing to do with what's going to happen, you know, in Atlanta. But the thing about Alabama, BJ and Kevin, the greatest benefit of the doubt there will ever be is that of Alabama. Every time it's Alabama, we go, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Because – Alabama is the one team, so we scrutinize them when they when they only win by 50, and we scrutinize them when they only win by three. Well, they still won. Arkansas almost beat them. Florida almost beat Alabama last year in the NCAA championship game. Well, that's called losing. This is the thing about Georgia. No matter what Georgia says, they want to know. Hey, man, we done ran through everybody. We done beat everybody. Yeah, but that is the greatest but in college football, people. Because this is the thing, BJ, Kevin, yeah. Georgia beats Georgia Tech. Okay, Georgia, don't, quote, don't need SEJ. Yes, they do. Confidence is a huge thing when you talk about football and any sport. Alabama coming in, they put it on Georgia. They were, hey, man, that's a mulligan. Because people go, wait a minute, Georgia has a weakness? Yes. And there are only certain teams that can expose your weaknesses. Alabama's one of them. Ohio State's one of them. Maybe it's Cincinnati, maybe. But, but Kevin and BJ, I will say this. The old Nick Saban knows when everybody's watching, Oh, I'm gonna show you what we made up. Doesn't mean they're gonna win. But I remember the reason why the reason why Eli Manning beat uh beat uh Peyton Manning in the Super Bowl is not because Eli Manning was a better team, it's because they played him in the regular season and like, oh, okay, I see what it's gonna take. I'm not saying we're gonna see the we're gonna see the sequel, but they definitely they definitely gotta meet in Atlanta and them boys from Alabama, they find a way to put on their best shows when everybody's watching. Yeah, we should like I said, Nick Saban always seems to have his team playing up. I know this is not the typical Alabama beat everybody by 30 type uh, football team, BJ, but you start looking at it uh, inside some of the numbers. I mean, defensively, they're still pretty good. What, uh, top top nine in yards per game, top ten uh, in yards per game. So, I mean, this is a team that it's kind of funny. You talk about the standard certain programs set. Alabama still got a top ten defense, and you watch them play and go, boy, there's just something wrong with them. Like, no they're, no, they're still pretty good. They just aren't beating everybody by four touchdowns the way we've seen it year after year after year. So I'll be interested to see. Again, I think this could be one of those SEC championship games with Georgia and Alabama where, I mean, if you want to tell me the over-under is about 25, I might say, okay, it very well could be. I mean, it could be very low scoring uh, between these two teams that are going to get after you on defense, and it's maybe who finds a way to get that crack offensively uh, to get them on the scoreboard, that might be all the difference because I, I think this will be a back-and-forth, hard-hitting defensive football game. No, but it's a great point about the relative analysis of Alabama, right, in that we look at them and go, yeah, they're not quite right, but at the same time, to your point, they have a top-10 defense in terms of total defense in the country, and they probably have the Heisman front runner in Bryce Young, who just might become the first Alabama quarterback ever to win the Heisman. So for all the criticisms, there's that, there's Coach Saban. It's a lot to think about. I mean, I, 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 
you talk about the over-under. I think Alabama and Georgia, that's going to come down to the final final few minutes. Maybe I mean, I the, said it kind of tongue-in-cheek, but I don't think there's no, right, going to be a lot of points Right, there. right. I, it's 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 going to be a heck of a matchup, and there's a great chance it's number one versus number two in Atlanta. Kirby Smart, he, he waited Kevin and BJ to get the dream job at Georgia. He want to know, can he beat his mentor? It has yet to be seen yet. We will see couple of weeks. Yeah, that's the test. If that's the, the wall you want to knock down, that's the one you want. I mean, that's you got to go through it uh, to get there. We'll come back. We'll take three right around the corner. Adam Schuler next hour as well. It's three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Jobs. And, and then we've talked about this uh, the last couple of days. I, I've seen some people on social media say, hey, LSU – Maybe, maybe the best job in America because you're in a great state for high school football and there's not another Power 5 team. Now you have Louisiana uh, Tech, Louisiana Monroe, Louisiana, the Raging Cajuns who are having a great year, some great FCS programs obviously, but there's not another Power 5 team in the state. And I, under, I, I, I understand that. And LSU, what, their last three coaches have won national championships? But I still think it's Florida. I, I think Florida, if you had to rank them, might be the best job. You know, Ohio State, maybe. You know, maybe Georgia. Uh, Alabama, I think, would obviously be up there. But when you think about Florida, you think about the, the, the recruiting base. I mean, South Florida, Central Florida, the Panhandle. And I know you have Florida State and you have Miami and Central Florida now, but I still think Florida's Florida's won two national championships since, what, 2006? So they've been right up there as well. Uh, I think the history, the tradition, the resources, uh, the expectations. I just think the University of Florida, and Ben, I know you said before, hey, Florida's the everything school. Florida wins at everything, and I think a lot of that's because of the foundation, the infrastructure. Uh, I, I, I love the LSU job. I think it's an incredible opportunity, and I think LSU is one of the top three or four jobs, five jobs probably, in college football. But to me, even though it's close, Florida is still that job where if you can come in, I, I don't think there's the challenge in the SEC West, Ben, or in the East, I should say, that there is in the West where you have Alabama and Auburn and Texas A&M and I, I, I think in the East, there's Georgia, but it's a little more manageable. Uh, for me, it's close, but I think that Florida job just has so much to offer. I think that's the better job, and I think Florida should be able to get whoever the Gators want to be their next head coach. Yeah, LSU is up there. LSU is one of the premier jobs, coaching jobs in, uh, in college football. BJ, I do agree when you talk about having the full uh, state of Louisiana, and you're going to get the best state out of Louisiana. But the thing about this is, Coach Ocheron had to come through an agreement to, to part ways with LSU. And, I, and when you think about a, a place like Florida, Florida has one thing on the line that LSU can kind of get away with, and that's reputation. You, reputation, standard, trying to get back to championships, but you have unlimited resources. You have boosters. And when you got a brand as big as Florida, sometimes they take to Coach Dan Mullen to help you understand that Florida is one of those places to where it's been a while since they've been, you know, championship relevant. But a guy that went to back-to-back New Year's Six Bowls is having a bad year. They get him out of there. Not, I'm not going to give you another shot. So for me, because of the standard, because of the now that seat is hot, but I think it is Florida because, like you said, BJ, take nothing away from Florida State, take nothing away from Miami. Florida is the biggest brand in the state, and sometimes, you know, we talk about a brand that big, Scott Strickland, those guys, they understand it right now. <coughs> they got to get this right. LSU, they got to get a hire. They got to get a guy that's going to, okay, Florida got to get it right. And when you say that, you're like, well, who is, I don't know who the right person is, but unfortunately, Florida Cena Spurrier, Florida Cena, uh, 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 you know, Urban Meyer, there's been a lot of, a lot of duds in between. So I think they got to get this right. So yes, BJ, I do think it is Florida. I'm, 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 I'm not putting my, you know, my front runner shoes on or my bias shoes on. I just understand that when you getting fired for reputation, Earth, then what you was doing second, that got to, you know, that means that school is up there. So give me Florida, even though LSU is right there. Yeah, I think it's, uh, I think it's Florida just from a just pure resources standpoint. Uh, they're going to do whatever it takes. Not that LSU won't, but I think Florida is just on another level with a couple of schools out there across the country where it's like 
All right, you offer 10, we'll offer 10.1. You offer 10.2, we'll offer 10.3. Like, they literally can can compete with anybody financially uh, in the country to go out and uh, and get those deals done. Moving along to uh, to take two, given that tomorrow, it doesn't seem like it's been that long already. Tomorrow's been three weeks since the Braves won the World Series. Are you getting nervous about Freddie Freeman and his lack of a contract at this point? I mean, yes, and and I was nervous to begin with. I'm naturally nervous with anything with the Braves. We know that. Listeners of the show know that. But when the uh, the the news came out about the reported extension offer, whenever that was, I've, I've 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 said on the show I didn't think that was a realistic offer. And what I meant by that, and and, and then I think I asked you this, is what percentage would anybody give that Freddie Freeman would accept that contract? What was it, 135 or whatever it was, and whenever it was offered, and we all said 0%. There's a 0% chance he would accept that offer. And I think we all get that in negotiations you have a back and forth and you're starting out here and trying to establish fair market value. But I think for a player that's been the face of your franchise for a decade and a player who there have been conversations and rumors about what it would take in free agency, uh, around Freddie for well over a year. I mean, it's not like all of a sudden you flipped a switch and Freddie Freeman's a free agent and now we're scrambling to figure out what to do if you're the Atlanta Braves. I just didn't think that offer, whether it was during the season or whether it was whenever it came to fruition, was was viable compared to what other teams, based on reports from baseball insiders, were going to offer and based on reports we've read in the media about what it's going to take to get Freddie Freeman. And I get, I, I get it. It's still November. Ben, you said you you've done this. You you know the process. That it is a process and it takes time. But I think the longer it goes on, the more you look around and go, why hasn't Fred, Freddie Freeman? If the Braves really want him and they're going to do what it takes, and Freddie Freeman wants to be here, why hasn't it happened yet? What's what's the holdup? What's stopping it from happening? I'm not saying I'm predicting Freddie will sign elsewhere. I still think the Braves are the favorite. But am I getting nervous? To answer the question, yeah, yeah, I am, Ben. You shouldn't be nervous, BJ. I think the one thing that we need to stop doing is we need to stop, we need to stop, start blocking out some of this noise. You know how I know the Braves really want Freddie Freeman because they gave him 135 million dollars, and then he said no to it. Right? They they gave him five million dollars more than the highest paid first baseman in baseball. Now, BJ, I get that I don't want to see Freddie Freeman play in another uniform. Make no mistake about it. But I want to give you some names to show you that this happened. Dak found out he got traded from, from the Lakers on SportsCenter. Listen, Joe Montana ended up with the Chiefs. Tom Brady is with Tampa Bay. You don't want these people to go. You don't want them to go. But at a certain point, you got to ask yourself, that front office, DJ, if you're in the front office, and you love Freddie Freeman, but you saying, hey man, we gonna be the Braves long after Freddie Freeman is no longer playing baseball. We don't wanna, we don't wanna salvage, you know, the present. We don't wanna salvage our future for the present. You sound I like a know. guy explaining Freddie Freeman going to another team to me. No, 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 no. I'm not explaining, BJ, I'm telling you, nobody is bigger than the business. Nobody is, and unfortunately, you can, you can, you can, and now you can might trap that thing. You can give him two hundred eighty-nine billion, and you gonna have him and and, and a tiny. That's it. You gonna have two players, and you can't beat nobody else. I want Freddie Freeman to be a brave. Make let me let me just make that very very clear. But it took me being in that negotiating table to help me understand this is baseball. What we listen, what we see on the diamond, well, that's the game. The business is at that negotiating table, and you are not better than the people that do it. Whoever owns the Braves, that's one of the many things that they own. But Jerry Jones said, hey man, I'm just here because I want to be here. I don't just own the Cowboys. This is one of the things I own. I sign checks every day. My my name is a stamp. They just stamp it on there. So I want Freddie Freeman to be a Brave. But if Freddie Freeman thinks that they're going to budge for him, it's not going to happen. It's not because they don't want him to be here. It's just Hey man, what you think is fair and what I think is fair. But think about this, BJ. When you ain't got the money to buy something, oh man, if I had the money. But when you get the money, it looks different now that I can't afford it. What's fair to Freddie Freeman and his agent is different than that front office. 
I hope they can come to a common denominator because them, them pesky Yankees, oh my God, they're probably camping out in front of his house right now. Come on, Braves, get it done. I'm not nervous because I think they still got time to make a deal happen. Yeah, I'm not nervous either. I think he's got time to get it done. And again, how much of it could change based on what the new collective bargaining agreement brings? If you get the DH, do you give Freeman more years thinking that in the out years he could just DH for you? Maybe. I think that's uh, that, that That might be some of it as well. Moving along, take three. Michael Strahan apparently is going to space next month aboard a Blue Origin flight. So, fellas, when are you planning your first space trip? As I guess we're all, apparently that's like the next thing is, you know, we're going to take the masses up uh, going on a trip in our favorite rocket ship. Up yeah, there. yeah. Yes. Uh, yes. Not for me. And then we got. Did I get the song lyrics right? Yeah. Yes. Go on that trip. Incrementally, yes. Ben, ben, we got to get you on a plane first, okay? <laughs> then we're gonna get you on whoa, the rocket whoa, whoa, ship. Whoa, whoa. Once again, keep people out my business. Y'all were talking about <laughs> it at the Florida Georgia Legend Series. I'm just saying. Listen, I no. Okay, space, the final frontier, whatever, space, no. I'm not going up there. I told Kevin this, and I understand that if you're up in the air and, like, a window breaks or something, that's not good to begin with. Is somebody like, out there throwing rocks? Well, I, I I don't know. I'm just saying I don't like the idea of going to a place where I can't breathe, right? Like, outside of the, you know, outside of the spaceship or the rocket or whatever it's called. That's, that's just emotionally daunting. I don't, that doesn't sound normal to me. So, look, if you want to go to space, that's exciting. I mean, that's a pretty nice vacation. Hey, I'm, I'm going to space, whatever. I'm saying that's How long do you me. get to be in space? I don't know. I, I don't know. Okay but, okay, but if you're in space, but you're in a rocket ship, which is like sealed off, are you actually in space or are you in a vessel that's in space? Well, they're not just ejecting you out of the plane. I mean, you're... Oh, okay, but that's what I'm asking you, okay? What makes space space is kind of the scientific makeup of it. That there's not oxygen or whatever. And I think you'll get to, like... I mean, I would imagine if you're going... If it's not just to up and, and orbit the Earth and come down, I would imagine you can, you know, get up, walk around, float around a little bit. So maybe. you're saying Michael Strahan's gonna gonna float around in space? Well, that's what happens when you leave the Earth's atmosphere. Not you have no gravity. No, 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 no. But what I'm saying is, are you there? There's still like oxygen and Earth, yeah. Earth-like, Earth-like atmospheric. There's no gravity particles. once you get out there, but there's oxygen in the plane. It's not like they just suck you up in a vacuum. Like, well, hold your breath for the next 20 minutes. No. Can, okay. Do you consider that to be in space? I, I, I don't know. Are you going into orbit or are you going to actually in space where well, you're I'm like out there? I'm not doing neither. Either. I'm just saying. I mean, if we pooled all of our money together, nope. we not, might not we, we might be able to get one of our shoes on the plane. That's oh, no, it. No, no, no. Well, number one, number one, I'm never, that's never happening. Like, people talk about what, what rich, wealthy people think about. Hey, man, I want to go to space. Man, I ain't never been to Cleveland. I, I want to go to space. No, 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 no. What this thing you know, BJ and Kevin? Look, I've seen too many movies with space, and it, it never ends well. Armageddon. No, that oh, ended well. Wait, wait, that's the first movie Armageddon. You no, Armageddon whoa, 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 did end well. Bruce Willis saved the world. No, 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 no. What if you on the other ship? Hold on, what's the one? What's the one where they have like Ben Affleck was on the other ship. He made uh, it back. No, 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 no. There's okay, a recent everybody one. Everybody that went up. Did everybody come back? No, Ben. No. There's a there's a recent one on Netflix where it's like a little tiny blob thing they get. They're doing scientific evidence. And then it turns into like this monster that's called life. Yes, life. Yes, yes. What is it? It's called life. It's called life. And it's it destroys everything. All, all, all I'm saying is this. Hold on. Just, just think about it for a second. Hold on. Hold on. My father, the great John Wesley True. Hey, son, what you doing? Oh, daddy, just chilling. What you doing, son? Dad, I got to call you back, man. I got to put on this astronaut suit. Why? Oh, because me, because three and out is going to space. Wait, wait, what? What? What you mean? Like leaving the Earth? Yeah. Like, no, no, no. Let, me, let me tell y'all something right now. What okay? kind of cell reception hey. you get up there? Listen. Me and BJ was doing something about a month ago, and BJ had to climb up on the on the on the on a tiny little ladder. He like whoop. He like whoop. I am standing right behind him. Whoop. I'm like, dude, if you fall, you gonna hurt yourself. You know, dude, this is. Mm -mm. 
listen, I don't know if it's vertigo, bad balance, bad inertia. I'm not doing it. Because this is the thing, Kevin. They're going to say, yeah, last year we did 200 uh, safe flights. Now, that 201st flight, it kind of, these dudes are out. Because even if it go well, I don't want to be think, on somewhere to where, no, no. I don't I'm think Michael Strahan is going to get to do a spacewalk. Like, I think you're inside the capsule. You go up, you do your thing, you come back. That's all. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, listen, I was supposed to go to Georgia Tech. How did that work? If I'm I, not getting on there. That's not Kevin. And Kevin's on there saying, yeah, the molecular structure is going on. No, Kevin, no, 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 no. Kevin, if I go on, I go. Know? If I go on the flight, I'm sitting in a chair, and I want you to tell me what am I not supposed to touch? Outside of that, I, that that that's it. Whoa! How many times have you been on a plane and the plane just dropped you before? Listen, I can't. Well, I mean, I can't really control that, but I mean, well, the plane did didn't go down. Obviously, he said it's the worst place on earth. He said something like, "Just, just call it that." Just, I think it was Owen Wilson. Yeah, just call it the worst place on earth. I'm not doing it, Kevin, for the simple fact that. Listen, we are three and out. We ain't astronauts. What the hell? Yeah, we no. got to go. We got to go. We'll, we'll come back. Adam Schuler will join us next. It's three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Welcome back. It's three and out here on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Kevin, BJ, and Ben. Glad you're with us here on the program. A lot to get to as we lead you up towards some college basketball here in just a, a little bit. And obviously the Florida job is open. Some, some reports, again, nothing verified, but obviously that – you know, people getting the uh, the crazy, hey, we're going to start tracking plane flights and all that, that, uh, you know, Florida officials chatting with Billy Napier about uh, that job. Is is that a guy you feel is is taking that job? Is that a guy you feel would be that home run t- hire? He's obviously overachieved more often than not there at Louisiana. Would that be a good fit there in Florida? He's done a great job with the Raging Cajuns. And, Ben, I think we're still kind of early in the process. I know when there's a coaching change, especially with the early signing period, the thought is let's get a head coach as soon as possible. I think Florida's going to do that, but I think the Gators are also going to do their research, do the interviews, meet with you know guys, etc. I think Billy Napier, if that ends up being the choice, would be a very good hire for Florida. You're talking about a guy that is – coached at Clemson, a guy that has coached at Alabama, a guy that has turned a program into a national name in, in, in Louisiana, who, oh, by the way, only has one loss this year. The Raging Cajuns have been very physical. They've run the football well. They've had a downfield passing attack with Levi Lewis, so multifaceted offensively. They've been great at the line of scrimmage. And I think Billy Napier, look at Louisiana's success, Ben, has proven to be a very good recruiter. And again, worked with Dabo Swinney, worked with Nick Saban, was out at Arizona State. I think he's just 43 years old. So I think Billy Napier, I'm quite frankly surprised his name hasn't been mentioned for more jobs, not only this season, but in previous years. Who knows who it's going to be? Who knows what the timeline is? But some online reports of, hey, Billy Napier may be a candidate. I think he would be a really impressive hire. Kirby Smart. It could be Scott Frost. We, we we never know, but we hope we hope that whoever Florida get, you're gonna have to live with it. They vetted this guy, and they, hopefully he he's ready. Because once again, you walk into a situation where the seat is already piping hot, and that has nothing to do with the person sitting in it. That has everything to do with expectations that haven't been met. Dan Mullen, ladies and gentlemen, is a good coach. Let me let me stress that he is a good coach. He has some great moments. BJ, Kevin, whoever's listening. You don't pay Florida coaches to have great moments. You don't pay Florida State of Miami coaches to have great moments. You pay them to do what Jimbo did, to do what Urban did, because sometimes you've seen just how good a school and a team could be, and you want to emulate that every single time. But you know who does that? Alabama. Players change, but the standard is the same. So, yes, BJ, I do think that Bill Napier would be a great hire. I think that, uh, you know, uh, I think that when you think about, you know, uh, different different guys to get a chance to get, get a chance to uh, potentially come to Florida would be great hires, but until they become the head coach of Florida, you don't know. Because the thing is, I remember there was a guy by the name of Scott Frost. He was at UCF, and people were like, oh, my God, he's going back to Nebraska. It's going to be – I remember this guy by the name of Chip Kelly who was supposed to come to Florida. He went to UCLA. It could be that, too. So we always got to say, sometimes, man, it ain't the coach. It's where they coaching. And – it don't make them bad coaches either. Dan Butler gonna be on Kevin Summers. Dan Butler gonna be on somebody's coaching staff, if not the picking his own coaching staff. That doesn't mean he didn't do a good job. But yeah, I, 
Yeah, I think they, had three years and you know, and, and Muller had. I mean, uh, Dan Muller had four. So, yeah, I mean, I think that we will see a uh, situation where Dan Mullen, if he wants to coach, will be coaching uh, again, maybe next year, maybe he takes a year off. But he is still, as you said, uh, been a coach in in high demand, and it's just a matter of if he wants to coach, not if he can coach. He's a good coach. He just didn't work out at his present location there uh, with the University of Florida. So there's certainly uh, prior days away, away for him, but. Again, BJ, do you think Florida gets in a bidding war with places like LSU and, and, and others like that? Is, or is this something where Florida's in a class by itself where they can simply offer a better deal? I mean, I, I think ultimately Florida would be able to get the candidate they want. I think the resources are there. But theoretically, could uh, uh, Florida and LSU want the same uh, candidates to interview? Could they target the same uh, 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 coaches, yeah. I, I mean, I think that's part of the challenge, not only for Florida and LSU, but think about all the openings, Virginia Tech and SC and TCU and and, and and more. So, yeah, I think there's a chance, yeah. Yeah, a lot of big jobs open up out there across college football. We gotta, got, we've got you up to basketball here. you got Georgia uh, going to be taking on Northwestern in the Legends Classic here in just a few minutes. We'll also send you to, uh, for those of you in Brunswick and Waycross, to uh, Las Vegas for the Maui Invitational, some doubleheader holiday basketball for you here this afternoon. If you missed any portion of today's show, ESPNCoastal.com, our YouTube channel, at ESPNCoastal on YouTube, and you can catch the podcasted version of the show there. We will see you soon here. It's three and out all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network.